two suspicious deaths occur days apart, yet police close the case after a brief investigation. The families and even the public are left with unanswered questions. What really happened in the sprawling waterfront mansion? Was Max's death really an accident? Did Rebecca kill herself out of guilt? Or was she the victim of a homicidal revenge? In today's episode, we'll tackle the second and final part of the Rebecca Zahau case so you can decide for yourself. I'm Laura. I'm here with my two best friends, Colby and Marina, and this is Grim. Marina's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I have been waiting all day for this. Like, I was thinking about this during my lunch break, which isn't really a break, it's when I walk (laughs) to the microwave downstairs and heat up like pizza rolls. Um, I was trying to think, like, what do I think happened to Mm -hmm. Rebecca Zahau? And I don't know. I need need more deets. There are a lot of deets. I just tried to tell Lauren, she yelled at me. So she said, said, save it for the gremlins. Well, that's because we sit before we're recording, kind of chat a bit. And Marina's like, so, you know, here's what I think. I'm like, that's the point of the episode. That's what this podcast is about. Can you uh, refresh our recollection? Yeah, let me just reread all uh, 27 pages of part one. That would actually be great. Sounds good. And go. Okay. Um, All right. So we are set in 2011. It's in California, in the San Diego area in Coronado. It's a beautiful, beautiful resort-like place with lots of multi-million dollar mansions. And we're talking about um, the CEO multimillionaire Jonah Shacknai and his girlfriend, Rebecca Zahau. Um, and she had committed suicide in his mansion only two days after his son had a very, very serious accident um, that he had not died from at the time of Rebecca's death, but he died later that week from all his injuries. So last episode, we learned a ton about um, each of the, again, I'll call them characters. So we learned about Rebecca's history, Jonah's history. Um, We learned, according to the facts, what happened. We were left to interpret those, and we learned that the police did their own investigation and cleared everybody and called it a suicide and an accidental death. And that was it. We learned about Dina, Nina, and Zena. <laughs> wow, good job. Yeah. And Mary and Mary. Yes. Yes. Nice. Nailed it. Yeah. Retained information. Yeah. So okay. Dina is, for those who don't remember, <laughs> Dina yes. is Jonah's ex-wife um, and Max's mother. Max is Jonah's six-year-old son, or was. Um, Nina is Dina's twin sister. And Zena is Rebecca's younger sister. And who Rebecca was, was present. tribal royalty. Yes. Yes in not in mesopotamia <laughs> no not in mesopotamia no and i know yeah <laughs> yep. yes yep okay you know we're gonna keep saying torrington to reference back to that one joke and somebody's not gonna listen to that episode and then uh and then be very confused and also we'll have lots of hits oh, on I, things from torrington. I, I can fix that for them uh go back and listen to the nilsa arismendi episode you'll thank us later <laughs> there you go public service announcement <laughs> perfect Perfect. So um, what we're going to do in part uh, two is I'll take you through some additional investigation and then we'll talk about that trial that I was going to say whose trial was it. Well, you're going (laughs) to. Is this the episode I harass you? Because I'm feeling feeling punchy. I think so. Whose trial? I think so. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, 
So we are not the only ones who felt that the investigation might have been lacking. Rebecca's family wanted to investigate further because they had a deep distrust of the police department. Remember that they hadn't really been told directly that Rebecca had died and she wasn't even married. So it wasn't right. like Jonah was the next of kin. Right. She, they really should have been notified. Well, um, didn't they tell Jonah's brother? Yeah, it, it wasn't Jonah. It was Rebecca's brother-in-law or yeah, brother-in-law. Okay. Because it was her sister's husband that they told. I don't know why they thought it was her brother, but even then it was a little weird because she has parents. So I don't, yeah, I don't know really why. Weird. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Rebecca's family couldn't afford additional investigation, but they attempted some fundraising online and eventually Ann Bremen, an attorney offered to help for free, which is great. Unfortunately, she was in Seattle. Remember, this is down in San Diego. So it was really difficult to work closely on the case. So she pulled in Cyril Wecht, uh, a forensic pathologist, and Marty Rudoy, another attorney in California. Now, Cyril is a nationally renowned forensic pathologist who had re-examined John Benet Ramsey, Anna Nicole Smith, and President Kennedy. Quite, oh, wow. quite a resume. I'm pretty sure that Henry Lee examined all those people as well. So do they just call in like all these top people to examine so. the same bodies over and over again? Probably. Because, yeah, he said he had personally conducted 20,000 autopsies. I'm looking at that. Yep, that's what he, I wrote. 20,000. He, <laughs> he has a very specific set of skills. <laughs> that's what's happening right here. It's a lot of bodies. <laughs> yep. And he supervised 40,000 others. And I, I should have done this math. I'm not going to do it right now. But how many a year? I don't know what his actual tenure is. But he's like 87. So it's it's a while. Uh, and he had performed a couple hundred second autopsies. <laughs> take that oh, part like, out. The, like the second pass. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess I won't take that out because that makes sense. His opinion after seeing the autopsy report of Rebecca was that it should have been investigated further beyond a suicide because of the additional injuries to her head. So if you recall, in part one, we said she had four subglial hemorrhages on her head, which um, were not, at least according to Searle, not, didn't make sense with, with a suicide in the way that it was. The police kept saying that it was because she was she hit her head on the way down, but Searle didn't agree. He also questioned the sticky tape residue on Rebecca's legs. So remember yeah. in the autopsy, there was no tape found on her, but there was residue. Uh, he was thinking that maybe someone had bound her legs with duct tape before and before actually um, like putting rope around it, making her walk before cut it off before she walked. Right? Maybe probably yeah. Okay, so Paul Cialino, a, p a personal investigator that they worked with, noted also that the patio table, so remember when Adam, the brother, uh, Jonah's brother, who found Rebecca, yep. he came out of the guest house and he saw her and he said he had to drag over this patio table to stand on it to cut her down. This person, Paul, the, the personal investigator, said that the patio table would have likely collapsed under his weight, let alone with the weight of Rebecca on top of that. And he also just, for what it's worth, questioned Adam flying across the country to quote unquote support his brother and then not staying at the hospital with him at all and really not being present for his brother. So he had some questions mm. too. But wasn't he in the ICU? Because they definitely limit the amount of visitors. That's true. So you had Jonah and Dina in the ICU. So I doubt they'd even let anybody else in there. Maybe, but they had uh, Jonah's friend Howard that flew in, his Max's godfather. He came in and visited a bunch. So. I don't know. I feel like Adam could have too. So I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I Adam self-reportedly didn't 
wasn't comfortable with all this. He's definitely kind of more independent, so I can kind of see that side too. Yeah. But, I'm uh, just suspicious of the people who t- who take Ambien and find themselves at crime scenes when they wake up. <laughs> fair, fair. That is it fair. Is uncanny. Could also be the cases that you and I have chosen. That's but. true. Uh, so the general public was also unsatisfied, having read through all this and hearing all the facts. People questioned how Rebecca knew to tie those knots. They were pretty advanced. They weren't just like a regular slip knot. And exactly how much rope to use not to hit the ground, which I thought was a very interesting point. Oh, interesting. I know. Yeah. Because you wouldn't, I, I would have absolutely no idea, even if you could estimate how far. That's a pretty big guess. So some reporters got the exact brand of mattress and bed that was in the guest room and tied a rope with a punching bag of Rebecca's weight, then tested how much the bed moved when they threw it off a balcony. So remember, the investigators had found that the bed had moved based on the impressions in the carpet, it had moved seven and a half inches. These now these were reporters. They're not they're not police investigators. However, perfectly I thought, capable. I thought you said reporters. That's like really yeah. in depth research it, for a reporter. I I found so many articles on this. I think this was a huge huge deal because you think about the flashiness of this case. It's a right. multi million dollar yeah. mansion and it's a CEO and it's this like beautiful mystery woman that's note. committed suicide. You know, it's yeah. got all the pieces. So. Uh, so the, these reporters, their tests indicated that the bed would have moved as much as five times as far as it did, which is interesting because that's not off. If they were like, well, it was eight instead of 7.5, I don't think I would have cared. But Well, was it like the bed frame was made of solid oak and it was on a thick carpet? Do you know what I mean? Like, so there'd yeah. be more resistance to stuff moving. They did get the exact same bed and mattress for like the weight of the mattress oh, and the, the weight of the bed. Too. Yep. But your point about what kind of flooring they were on is interesting because a forensic crime scene expert that was hired by uh, Anne, the lawyer that was helping for free, noted that he didn't see a drag or brush pattern in the carpet from the bed frame, indicating the bed had been lifted and moved instead of dragged. Oh, mm-hmm. like somebody placed it there uh-huh. because they were trying to say, well, if she jumped, it would have moved. Right. Right. Weird. Who? I know. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I think I'm I mad. You, like, who's, I like, did someone stage it? Or, like, did, it, was it a legit suicide that she staged? I, you're going to give me more information. I will give but, you more information, but probably not the answers to those. My brain is blown. The, mm-hmm. the note is what's getting me. Mm-hmm. And I know from asking you outside of the podcast, did they do, like, a handwriting analysis that I'm pretty sure somebody did, mm-hmm. but I, I, I want to hear. And now oh, I'll be patient. Will. Now I know how you guys felt during the, the <laughs> right? Robert one episode. Yeah. Right? Colby's like, tell me about the handwriting. <laughs> tell me about it. Whose so, trial was it? <laughs> we're so close. Okay. So close. I got there. another page. Get there. Another page. So, unfortunately, despite all of this, they were bringing all this additional information, raising a ton of questions, basically saying, we don't agree with, with what you've put in. It was really difficult to reopen the case. So, they first tried the, tried the attorney general, who told them to start with the local police department, and then the local police department denied it, said, go to the district attorney. All of them rejected reopening based on these facts. Now, the Zahows were not the only ones looking for further investigation. Dina, so again, that's Max's mom, Jonah's ex-wife, had not been satisfied with the investigation into Max's death. Good. She thought Rebecca was more responsible for the accident than she had said. And this was fueled by the comments from Max's doctor on the Thursday after his accident. So he, the accident happened on the Monday. This was the Thursday. He didn't pass away until that Friday. And this was the day after Rebecca's death. There was no way that Max could have had CPR within two minutes of being injured. 
the damage was too great. So again, the scene when the uh, police arrived, when Rebecca called that Max had had this accident, she said she had been doing CPR. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone thought that Max was going to survive because of that. So the doctors are saying, well, it's not possible. The damage was too great. But she said she did it right from the very beginning. Yes. Yep. Did she say she heard him scream and like ran onto the scene? Or is it possible that she found him two minutes after she said she heard because the chandelier fell and then i think the bark oh. the the dog was barking the bark was docking <laughs> and so she heard this noise she was like in the bathroom downstairs and came running out to find this so i think it was pretty immediate so it's more her lying versus her possibly, possibly stumbling right onto him it, i think too so. late. right right okay the doctor also said that now to turn another twist onto it the doctor also said that max's injuries could have been due to suffocation because his symptoms were similar to drowning so that put another kind of like there's no reason he should have suffocated after a fall it should have been like blunt force trauma right right. (laughs) yeah yeah wow so dina hired additional investigation which found that max's death couldn't have been an accident he was only 44 pounds which as an aside makes me just just breaks my heart because we're talking about this little human that's only 44 pounds the his autopsy originally said 57 pounds and he was 45 inches tall so his center of gravity why i'm telling you this his center of gravity was below the railing so again this accident happened on the second floor at the stairs and they're saying he kind of fell the you know he was on his razor scooter and he fell over something but it's like that the the balcony was weight or the railing was way too tall yeah and if he's like that short how did he grab the chandelier mm-hmm. going over like the chandelier yeah. would have to be super close to the balcony because i'm not yeah. thinking height wise i'm no. thinking more like yep. like forward Distance. he yep. doesn't have the wingspan yep, yep. It does maybe the razor scooter they're not very high off the ground though they wouldn't give you much no. more no and it means he certainly didn't just fall over the balcony and honestly probably would have had difficulty even just boosting himself over it could he fit through the railings on Ooh. the banister we'll post pictures of the you can have you'll be able to see a picture of the actual uh, railing mm-hmm. so we'll look i i don't think so but i didn't look at it with that mindset so we'll have to take a look okay what do we think the odds are that rebecca was not somehow involved in his death based upon the evidence that you just gave us although i have my theories i don't have any i don't feel confident in any of them i think there are so many factors we don't know and unfortunately the only people that know have died so i don't know for me i'm still struggling to find a motive for why rebecca would have harmed him so that's why i'm not sure if i feel like Mm -hmm. she's responsible if she was a jealousy do you think so she threw out those pictures of max and yeah. dina well i would have thought more with dina mm-hmm. the jealousy like get rid of her and then like take her life essentially right because you'd, you'd have the kid and say, hey that that would have been a great model for me i'd have a freaking kid without having to pop a kid out mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and a really yeah. rich husband but i i'm just trying to think like why would why would she want to hurt max right. so far Unlo- uh, yeah i don't know i'm just unless it was just one of those spur of the moment things like a jealous yeah. rage and you want you want a life with just jonah that mm. doesn't involve a child with another back. woman mm. and dina so That's if he kills dina that doesn't like max is right. still dina's mm. and now like they have to deal with the sympathy mm. i mean she threw out those pictures and she had a miscarriage too so mm-hmm. like it was she doesn't have her own child and like she doesn't want to share because if she did stage this whole thing that message like she saved him can you save mm. her like she's trying to frame it so that she didn't she trying do to frame it dina basically no, she's with trying, the message well, do you think she's trying to clear her own name mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. her own guilt yeah. yeah 
so I feel like she has to be involved. An additional point, which I should have brought up, Colby, when you suggested or asked maybe maybe Max went through the railing. So the pattern of bruising on Max's back, which actually looked like a number seven, lined up with the protrusions on the wooden railing and ornate legs beneath it, known, known as ballisters, mm. as if he'd been pushed against them. Hmm. So that's super interesting. Because I was reading that as like a, you know, a bat. Somebody pushed him. Right. But that's an interesting thought. So what if Xena killed him and Rebecca was helping to cover it up? That's another thought, and then too. Really what if Xena was jealous because her sister had this new life mm-hmm. and there was another child oh. there? And she's like, that's what the heck? Like, I'm just visiting and this kid gets to live this every day. Mm. She was only 13, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. 13 and six. Yeah. That's another interesting. And she would have also grown up poor, right? She mm-hmm. would have been much younger while their yep. family was still struggling. Although I don't really know what their circumstances after they settled in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she it could have been jealousy. Yeah. I could see it. And she had trouble calling 911. That's true. She mm-hmm. was nervous and true. couldn't remember the address and was worked up. And True. True. So Dina's experts said that Max's injuries weren't consistent with a supposed 15-foot fall. Under that scenario, one would have expected to see a more severe neck or spinal cord injury and brain hemorrhaging, but there was no visible trauma to explain why his heart stopped beating. So remember, his heart stopped during all of this. Didn't you say his autopsy showed that his head, like, bent, his his vertebrae cracked Mm -hmm. and his head, like, hyperextended or something? That's right. Yep. That's um, not consistent with the fifteen with the fall. These are what Dean should be more say. severe. So what you'll yeah. So I think it's more severe than they would they would expect to see a more severe injury. Okay. Than what they saw, but I will say you'll hear, and especially when we get to the trial, you'll hear something and you'll be like, "That makes perfect sense," and then the other side will say theirs. You're like, "Wait, that makes perfect sense." It. This is why I think it's a very frustrating case because. You can see either side because we don't have all the pieces. We don't have all the information. We're just guessing. I'm going to pick a hard line and then not accept any other evidence. Perfect. We'll end with (laughs) that. That's just how I'll accept it. Yeah. So the MRI of his spinal cord was normal and his airway wasn't crushed, which I found interesting because I thought maybe back on the point of him dying or like having suffocation, I thought maybe was something with his airway based on his neck hyperextending. but. They said that wasn't the case. Before Max was declared brain dead, the doctors explored whether Max's chest could have been struck during the fall, causing his heart to stop, but nothing came from that. So according to his autopsy report, Max's official cause of death was lack of blood flow to the brain due to his heart stopping, which was caused by the cervical spinal cord contusion resulting from a blunt force trauma of head and neck, which is like the world's longest run-on sentence. But... Do they hypothesize then what stopped his heart? Whose trial was it? And for who? <laughs> okay, so, so let me try to play back what I think the expert just said. The expert basically said there was a series of unfortunate events that yes. led to Max's heart stopping. Yes. And that's ultimately the thing yes. that killed him. Like the fall on its own didn't. It was the fact that his heart yes. stopped. But they Correct. don't have a real reason for why the heart stopped. They just, think it's the spinal cord contusion that comes from that. But it's still, Dina's expert said, maybe it wasn't that severe. You would have expected it to be more severe from a fall. So I don't think they're disagreeing with how he died in the medical sense, mm-hmm. but maybe how it was caused. Right. Okay. That's so frustrating, though, too, because I see in my job all the time, one doctor will adamantly mm-hmm. say, this is X. And the other doctor mm-hmm. adamantly says, no, mm-hmm. this is why. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 
you have a third doctor that's like the tiebreaker, but that doesn't really work in this no. type of situation. No. You just end up with X and Y. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And speaking of, so here's Z. Jonah <laughs> Jonah also hired his own investigators. Oh, no. okay. Their findings supported the police that, that Max's death was an accident. That's so the tiebreaker. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Exactly. So like the Zahaus, Dina was unable to get the police to reopen the case. So she demanded $15 million from Jonah, which he refused, and she sued him. This is July of 2013. She blamed him for putting Max in Rebecca's care and said that led to Max's death. And instead of, uh, they went through all this, and instead of a settlement, Jonah ended up having his insurance company, who I think would have helped with the settlement, donate money to hospitals, which I thought was nice. But I I don't know that I really blame Dina in this. I think she is just a grieving, upset mother with needing someone to blame. She just wants know. justice for Max. That's exactly. That she's trying to You can't to blame yeah. her. Yeah. Okay, this next section is called Trial. Are you excited? <gasps> Whose trial is it? <laughs> so in May 2013, the attorneys who had been helping Rebecca's family had been, do- as I said, doing so for free. But unfortunately, they were really at the bottom of the barrel. They needed money. They transferred the case to San Diego civil attorneys Keith Greer and Frederick Gaston, who then filed a wrongful death suit against Adam, Dina, and Nina, suing them collectively for $10 million. They overall hypothesized that Dina and Nina attacked Rebecca first and then Adam helped. And a judge agreed in in October 2014 that there was enough evidence to proceed with trial. Wait, no, I'm just confused because I... Adam and Nina, I get. But when they saw Nina lurking around the mansion, didn't they confirm that Dina was at the hospital during that time frame? They sure did. So interestingly, in <laughs> April April 2017, when the lawsuit was headed to trial, Greer called a news conference to Greer's the attorney to announce that he was no longer going after Dina and Nina, now just going after Adam. And that's because they re-reviewed the hospital tape and said, okay. you know what? We know that Dina's at the hospital and we have plenty of phone records and all sorts of things for Nina proving that she did exactly what she said she did, stopped by the mansion and then went to Dina's house. So you are correct. Okay. I was going to say that that doesn't, that something's not adding up there. No. And it's a lot easier because I read all this to you in the first mm-hmm. case having had this all happen. But um, for them, they were kind of re-reviewing things and realized. So jury selection was scheduled to begin for Adam's trial on February 27th, 2018. There were some discussions around just settling outside of court. So Dan Webb, which was the who was the attorney for Adam, initially said maybe a million. Greer said five million, which was half of the original lawsuit, and then went down to three million. But any settlement would require both parties to give an exculpatory statement. And Rebecca's family refused to do this. And Adam refused to settle because he said he would not be found guilty at trial. So nobody wanted to say, yeah, everybody's cool. Because they were not cool. What yeah. are exculpatory statements? Uh, so I assume that's the same thing that it is in Connecticut, where basically like a settlement agreement says that neither party is admitting mm. fault or admitting wrongdoing yep. and that the parties are settling okay. to avoid, you know, tough yep. issues in the case. And they each admit that, you know, the case has pros and cons against them, but they all want to settle the case out. So this was uh, the book that I read, which I should plug. The book is 
uh, Death on Ocean Boulevard by Caitlin Rother, and it is extremely informational, um, both on law and the actual case. She did so much research and talked to a ton of people, so just big shout out there. Is that how you ended up with 40 pages of notes it on is. this quick filler case? I blame her for an excellent <laughs> book. With In all seriousness, every piece of information, I was like, but this is so good, too. <laughs> so, Everything is necessary. Yes. So what she learned is or noted is that in civil court, which is what this was, a verdict does not have to be unanimous. So so I feel like those of us who are not in law always think, you know, the jury has to all yeah. agree. It's 12 men and women and you have to agree. But this it's only nine of the 12 jurors who are required to agree. Also, the burden of proof is different in a civil court than criminal In criminal. It's kind of what we always think of, like beyond uh, guilty, beyond reasonable doubt. But in civil, it's only showing that more than likely not <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> more than likely he's guilty. More so, likely than not, yeah, he's I, guilty. You know, those are hard words. So, <laughs> yes. So it's it's more than likely he's guilty versus beyond a reasonable doubt. So, right. Okay. Yes. All right. Also, a win for the Zahaus wouldn't legally equate Adam to murdering Rebecca, only that he was responsible for her death, mm-hmm. nor would he go to jail for it. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So going into this trial, the stance of the prosecution, and again, that's Keith Greer, was that Rebecca had been hit over the head four times, manually strangled, and then thrown over the railing after she was sexually assaulted with the handle of a steak knife. The defense, Dan Webb, said that Adam was innocent. His fingerprints and DNA were nowhere to be found, and yet Rebecca's DNA and fingerprints were everywhere. Webb said it was impossible to selectively wipe away Adam's DNA without losing Rebecca's as well. And there was simply no evidence of a sexual assault. We'll talk about all this in a second. Rebecca was the one who knew where her painting supplies were stored in that guest room and that the red rope was kept in the garage. Adam didn't know any of that. And Adam had no past problems with the law, nor had he ever harmed anyone. It was more likely that Rebecca had staged her suicide to look like a homicide to protect her religious family from embarrassment. So those are the stances of the two sides going into this trial. And just to clarify, when you say prosecution, <clears throat> you just mean... Greer. Yeah, and there she's rep- he's representing Dina. Uh, the Zahaus. Oh, the, the Zaha- ones that brought this. The Zahaus. Okay, because prosecutor is like a criminal uh. state... I learned term, so yeah, much term, in this case. Like the prosecutors are the criminal oh. attorneys that represent the state. So it would more be, she'd be the claimant. Like the, oh. the, he would be the claimant's attorney. I wrote prosecution everywhere. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you got cl- it from the book. I mean, no, like I don't that's think just, so. I think I just, just think of prosecution yeah. and yep. defense. Yep. The defense, you're still the defendant in um, a okay. civil case, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the prosecutor so, represents the state. Gremlins, you're always learning. Yeah, always learning, hey, you know. Love it. Uh, so there is a ton of evidence in this case. So I want to break it kind of into categories, at least the way that I thought it, it it was very overwhelming reading through all this. Again, the book has a ton of detail and it's kind of all scattered through and I'm sure the case itself was hard. So I broke it into categories and then we'll kind of go through what the, uh, claimant says versus the defense and their theories. And we can talk through each one. And then at the end, we can kind of talk through, um, our theories and, and all that. Actually, it's probably plaintiff, too. Sorry. I said, I said claimant. I think plaintiff. Claimant yeah. is my area of yeah, the law. Yeah. Okay. Plaintiff. Pla- plaintiff okay. versus plaintiff. defendant. Oh, that's like Judge Judy, right? Yeah. Okay. Junk, junk. <laughs> no, that's, that's law order. That's law order. <laughs> but she does bend the gavel, so I got you. Yes. All right. So the first category was kind of hard to, to categorize, but uh, <laughs> I said blood sa- slash sexual assault. So okay. this is like kind of the findings of all that. Um, so the 
plaintiff. So this, I'm just going to say Greer because he's the Zahau's okay. uh, attorney. Okay. Because Rebecca was on her period and had no other bleeding injury, he said the red caked material, quote, on the steak knife handle had to be Rebecca's menstrual blood mixed with a whitish vaginal discharge because there was no other bleeding injuries. So he was like, that's what it's from. There were there was no blood on her fingers, and yet the red stain reached the second rivet on the knife handle, so they believed someone sexually assaulted Rebecca with the knife, leaving behind a blood smear on her inner thigh. And based on the unusual pattern of Rebecca's fingerprints on the chef's knife blade, they said the belie- they believed that... So that's a different knife. Um, they believed that Rebecca had tried to cut herself loose from the bindings around her wrists. Additionally, they called out that the pooling of blood was wrong. So if you remember back in the autopsy, I talked about... It was horizontal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I talked about the lividity. And if the person was hanging, you would expect it to be pooling in her feet and lower extremities. Right, that makes sense. But again, it was, as Marina said, horizontal along the Mm -hmm. rear portion of her back, um, her calf and all that, indicating that she'd been lying on her back for some time with her legs bent, which was also how they found her. Hmm. How do the police and the autopsy techs have this information and still deem it a suicide? Uh, well, I don't know, but I do. I will note that when experts, like we talked about earlier, reviewed all of this, they vehemently de- disagreed with the findings. So, I but think the original findings that you mm-hmm. read were from the autopsy report That's from right. the chief medical yep. examiner that yep. the police would look at that says the lividity is horizontal. Yeah, I don't know how I. I mean, again, I, I actually read the whole autopsy. Again, Colby, I just want to be you. <laughs> <laughs> so I did read the whole autopsy, and I, it it just says that it was in line with what they would expect. And obviously, I am not, you know, I don't know how this all works. Maybe there's a reason for that, but I couldn't find it. Or they're just like, mm, this doesn't fit with our storyline. So it's yeah. possible. It's possible. It. What? Okay, so if the people, if the original medical examiner and original everybody that was investigating this didn't think that she was sexually assaulted with the blade, how did they explain her blood on the knife? Well, let's talk about the she defense. She did it to herself to stage the scene, or? So I think that's generally their stance, Okay, is that she staged Everything it. Everything staged. Yep. Um, so they went more kind of, so I would say in this particular category, the Greer had done much more hypothetical and kind of explaining, whereas what I read for the defense was a lot more scientific. So they said tests for DNA in the vagina or mouth should show significantly more DNA than the rest of the body, but similar levels to each other. So Rebecca's oral swab had 600 nanograms of DNA, while the swab from the knife handle showed a much smaller amount with only 35 nanograms. So because you would expect the mouth and vagina to have the same amount of DNA, that was a red flag for them. Um, They said if Rebecca had been sexually assaulted with the knife, there should have been significantly more DNA on it. They believed that the blood on the knife handle was more likely transfer blood from Rebecca's finger injury. And as for the theory that Rebecca had tried to free herself from the bindings with the chef's knife blade, they said there were no cuts or fraying to the rope indicating that Rebecca was trying to escape and the bindings were loose enough to be removed intact anyway. You look mm. like you have a question. Or is it this entire case a question? This is my processing <laughs> face. Love it. Love it. Okay. So that's that's the category of kind of the blood and sexual assault. So okay. I can kind of see, again, we can talk full theories later, but um, I can see the science kind of doesn't lend itself. And I've always thought the sexual assault part was very out of the blue. 
So just one question about the knife. So they were saying that mouth and vagina have similar amounts of DNA. Yep. So they're not saying that because her mouth had 600, they would expect 600 on the knife because there's going to be probably some transfer and loss, but they would expect a much higher exactly. number than yep. 35. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And that indicates that it's not, that's not where the blood is from. Okay. Well yep. then how do they explain the smear on her inner thigh? Uh, they don't. Or maybe they did in a part that I didn't read. Or, but or maybe they're just like, she had her period. Like, yeah. That's where that came from. Yeah. I'm telling you, I went back and forth on this whole case. Because on the one hand, I think exactly that. Like, you would definitely not just be walking around with nothing no. protecting you. But then, I don't know. Maybe if you're in a, in a place of mind where you're going to kill yourself and you're trying to stage it as a homicide, that's maybe that's not what you're thinking of. <laughs> I don't know. So I think it's you can you can kind of be on both sides. Was she on blood thinners? No. she. I don't think she had anything. Okay. In her system, in her autopsy. Because I've heard that that can look like a crime scene. <laughs> so, yeah. Just... Yeah. And there was no, I mean, there wasn't a ton of blood. Hmm. Realistic. Right. Like there were drops of blood. Right. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a very bloody crime scene. Wait, wait. Wasn't there vaginal discharge on the knife as uh -huh. well? Uh-huh. So now how that... do they explain that with the cut on her finger? I don't know. Maybe like she planted it. She did it herself. I don't know. Like, but then I'm stuck on the amount of DNA because that's not just amount of blood they're overall comparing. So maybe it just like, I don't know, it just looked like they were calling it discharge, but maybe it wasn't actually. You know what I mean? It could have been staining on the knife. It was like I don't egg know. whites. No, literally. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Like, I don't know. My dishwasher leaves white stains on things. Like, oh, that's the water in town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but really, I mean, I think I, I think the comparison of the DNA between um between the two are really more telling than right yeah huh okay. i know okay we didn't get answers there no i no, that's I gonna be that's gonna <laughs> be a theme literally every single one i have okay the next category is the writing on the door so i know you were excited for this one mm. so greer again that's for the house so the the plaintiff they had a forensic document examiner um, and he said he used samples of Rebecca's writing and of Adam's signature to evaluate which one was more likely to have painted the message on the door. When Adam's signature was projected on the screen, observers could see it wasn't signed in one fluid motion of cursive letters the way most people sign their names. And he actually printed his name in capital letters. And if you'll recall, the writing on the was door all was caps. capital. Mm hmm. The examiner said that he used the A's and the M's in Adam's signature to determine that Adam was more likely than Rebecca to have painted the message. Mm -hmm. In particular, he pointed to the long tail on the right leg of Adam's M's, noting that Adam's A's slanted to the left and Rebecca's A's leaned to the right. Can you imagine being a handwriting expert? I had a friend that was really into this when we yeah. were in elementary school, and I remember her having a book for like handwriting analysis, and it would, there's like a, uh, this astrological almost component to it kind of in the sense that like it says something about you and your demeanor oh, but then there's so also like your style is unique to you I do think it's interesting they used Adam's signature because mm -hmm. my signature is nothing like the way Same. that I write mm. normally yep and I also think and I, I don't think they really say this in in the defense but I also think there's a difference between just and I guess this is the point of handwriting analysis but there's a big difference between me just writing notes versus right. I have just killed someone and yeah. now I need to write a message cryptic message on the door that's very different in well, my opinion and what I would write with a pen is very different than mm. what I would put with like a broad brush right. or like a paint exactly and also I was thinking if anything that she was forced 
to write it because oh. she had paint like on her breast right that's, she had like paint on did. her naked body yep. so yep i was thinking oh that's interesting i was thinking it might be her handwriting but that oh. the theory would be that she was forced to write hmm. it that's a good one i didn't i didn't see that theory and i didn't come up with that so that's a good one wow that's two for me that is um so additionally based on the height of the message painted on the door they said that the author should have been between 510 and 6 feet tall hmm and the note on the door was painted by one of the few people who knew that Rebecca had tried to save Max by giving him CPR. And the person was, uh, like I said, between 5'10 and 6 feet. So Adam, who is 5'11, was in that close circle of people. And Rebecca is teeny tiny and petite and definitely not that tall. So that writing would have been like above her head. Mm-hmm. So let's hear what the defense had to say. So the defense's witness on this said he actually didn't even analyze the writing because he said he couldn't compare two different types of writing, such as block letters painted on a door and handwritten letters on a page. Wow, we should be experts (laughs) and someone should pay us a ton of money to give that opinion. Especially when each item was created using a different writing implement. Mm -hmm. Additionally, the letters were within a span of four feet to four foot 11 inches from the floor, acknowledging that a door would be elevated when mounting on the frame. He showed a photo of a woman who was an inch and a half shorter than Rebecca standing next to the door with her arm comfortably in position to paint it. So they kind of debunked the idea that she wasn't tall enough to write it. I would find his opinion compelling because Mm -hmm. I obviously had that thought initially Mm -hmm. like sure you can look at the slants and the the degrees and the patterns and the strokes and everything like that but we are all aware that we would write very differently exactly with different writing instruments so i would be like that is compelling evidence yep so that is the writing on the door category i still think there are some things that would be the same Mm -hmm. about your writing like if i for example if i wrote the letter z and i never put a line through the letter z Mm -hmm. why would i do it writing and paint the first time i do that's a thing i do i always put the line through my z so like if i didn't do it you'd be like that's weird literally every other time she does it I, I also, I have heard that handwriting analysis is not incredibly, Perfect. yeah, it's not incredibly well taken. Um, there's a lot of uh, a trouble with it, so. Is it like polygraphs? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is fingerprints and DNA. So in discussing the lack of DNA found on certain object, objects, there were 12 examples of this, including the rope and the knife that Adam admitted to touching when he cut Rebecca down the tube of paint and the handle of the brush used to print the letters on the door, the balcony railing that Rebecca went over, the footboard of the bed where the rope was anchored, and several doorknobs in the guest room. And yet, Adam's DNA wasn't present. So there were a lot of questions on why we know he admitted he touched these. It makes sense he did, but his DNA wasn't there. Rebecca's DNA should have been there. It's her stuff. and her. Right. So, unless it's a new oh, paintbrush, so they found some... the receipt and they just bought. I'm trying to play but, the so defense's that's the, angle. That's exactly the, the thing that Greer is saying is why is there all this DNA? Like we know that there should be somebody's, right. at least Rebecca's DNA. We know in, on some of these things, Adam's DNA should be on. Why is there no DNA on all this? Someone wiped it. Because somebody wiped it. Yeah. So that's kind of what they were saying. Um, but they also said this could have been and this could have resulted from the analyst not swabbing the portion of rope that Adam touched or noting that like the knots were swabbed, but other areas weren't only one area of the T-shirt was swabbed. Um, and that was the part that was in Rebecca's mouth, even though Adam said he'd pulled out the cloth before starting CPR. 
Um, and if both French doors were to the balcony were open, someone had to touch the doorknobs yet to open again. Them. No fingerprint fingerprints were found. Oh, somebody wiped. Somebody it. cleaned it up, and well, she had been dead for some time when they got there. And I don't know if we mm-hmm. have an approximate time of death based on the autopsy or anything mm-hmm. like that. But he didn't cut her down until six thirty seven a.m. the following day, and. We know she died sometime after 11 p.m. Sometime yeah, after it was 1 like, a.m. Actually, it was, yeah, it was more like 3:30 or 4:30 in the morning. I'm That's so an, mad. It's enough, it's enough time to clean up again, mm-hmm. like delaying reporting the crime. So the prosecution or the plaintiff says that it was due to poor swabbing techniques and that's why we weren't seeing Adam's DNA. So they're arguing, yep, it's there. It's just that they used like one, well, it's probably not a Q-tip, but one swab. I think it is a swab, yeah. yeah. So they used one and did a bunch of areas and that can invalidate it. So um, that's what Greer was saying. Now the defense said it's normal. Sometimes people deposit more DNA, DNA than others, and they also didn't see any indication of wipe down. So I know that was mm. a, a common thought too. Mm. But when someone wipes down a surface that has fluid on it, they leave identifiable streaks, and she saw no evidence of that. Mm. So that's what the defense says. Yeah, some people are good DNA shedders. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. I leave my hair everywhere, so I am. Yes. I, yeah. Always Same. everywhere. I don't have enough to lose, so <laughs> I don't. So let's talk about the knots that the rope was tied into. I think I mentioned in part one that the sheriff's department had created a video showing how someone could tie the knot themselves. Yes. So Greer said, again, I keep saying prosecution, but the plaintiff uh, said that the actual knotted ropes on Rebecca's body were far more complicated than those in the video. Additionally, the type of rope used in the video was more flexible and could be maneuvered more easily. Because, again, they said they could tie it in the front and then slip their hand out and put it in the back. Also, the loops in the rope around Rebecca's wrists were much tighter. And they were also tied behind her back in the opposite direction from what was shown in the video, which I think uh, would, have made it, would have made it more difficult to extricate her hand from the bindings as the person did in the video. Hmm. The knot's ability to slip along the rope was crucial, so it would constrict around the loop around the neck, and you need to know what you're doing to create that. So the series of knots that the prosecutor, I I keep saying that, sorry, the series of knots that Greer tied in his demonstration, which he described as nautical, appeared far too elaborate for any novice to make, but that seamen were required to practice um, to retain their licenses. And they also said that it was kind of weird, so a little bit off of the topic of the knots, but on the rope, they said it was weird that the gag and the rope were over her hair and that it was kind of more natural if like, if any one of us with long hair kind of put something around our neck, we kind of naturally pull our hair out from it. Um, So they noted that as well. Was Adam a boater? He was. So he was a tugboat captain. Oh, so yes, very much a boater. Very (laughs) aware of not tying (laughs) methods. Yes. Now, the defense argued that people self-tie knots in a suicide to prevent themselves from self-rescuing, which I think, Marina, you said in episode one, or the first part, uh, and to make it also either to to keep them from... um, self-rescuing or to make the act look like a homicide. So either one of those cases is why they might do that. Also, the defense noted that Greer's witness went boating as a hobby. So the witness that was talking about these knots being nautical Mm -hmm. went boating as a hobby. So he might have been biased to see them related to nautical, which I can kind of see. Okay. So that's that's on the knots. Hmm. 
I know. What I was trying to look up, it wasn't that I was not pay, not paying attention. <laughs> um, I was trying to look up, like, are there specific knots? Because I think you said she's Burmese. Mm-hmm. Right. I was trying to, is there like a Burmese knot tying ceremony mm-hmm. or something? Like there's Celtic knot tying. And mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find anything. Oh, no, I don't think so. Good guess. So though. I was just trying to see, like, is there a reason why, like, Rebecca would have been familiar with yeah. like, complex knots? I don't know. Maybe she was a girl. No, she wouldn't have been a brownie scout or a girl scout. No. She wasn't in the U.S. The only thing that, and I don't think they actually brought it up in the trial, I'm not sure, was that book that they found, the witchcraft, the witchcraft. book to the, had the bindings. But I think what they said was that the knots were really not similar at all. Okay. So there was no, it didn't seem like there was any connection beyond the fact that there were ropes and knots in that book. So I'm just in <laughs> awe of Colby's mind that she comes up with like the most interesting yep. theories or picks like a, a Burmese knot tying ceremony that like that's brilliant just a weird place to be inside of my brain <laughs> yeah I just it's impressive wow. I'm it's in impressive. awe I'm in Thanks, awe guys. of your theories <laughs> maybe I can solve the case <laughs> maybe. I hope so because it's just it, I have no more answers <laughs> so all right let's talk about um going over the balcony so Rebecca actually getting herself over the balcony. So Greer said at five foot three and a half inches tall, her center of gravity would be at 32 inches. And yet the balcony railing was higher than that. She couldn't have hurled herself over, especially with her ankles and feet bound and hands. So that's what Greer says um, in in defense of. So she wouldn't be able to flip, like get enough momentum to flip herself. Okay. Yep. Uh, What if she jumped? Maybe, yeah. So the defense basically is like, well, maybe, but someone would have to be drugged or unconscious to have all that happen to them, and then on top of that, be thrown over a balcony, and you would have seen much more of a struggle or marks of in the dust on the balcony. Remember, right. there weren't that many, That's so they true. were like, that just doesn't make sense. I was thinking about. I remember last week you told us mm-hmm. about the V-shaped yes. dust prints, yes, and that there was markings in the dust that were consistent with like where she touched yep. and how she went yep. over and how her body would have scraped and yep. Yep. I feel like where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. That's yeah. that's how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah. And she was fit. So she worked out, you know, she went to the gym a lot. So so she did like a box jump over the balcony. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. I certainly couldn't. But no. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're Are, taking notes in case you accidentally get murdered. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> in my mansion. Yeah. <laughs> With your ocean view balcony. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the courtyards are different. Humans that's right. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is literally all each of us has been thinking about True. for the past right. week. That's why. True. Well, five days. Because we, yeah. we rec- the gremlins will wait seven yeah. days. We only had to wait five. Seven days. <laughs> oh, Marina, I can't go Samara. <laughs> Stay out of my nightmares. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Rebecca's injuries. So Greer said the cricoid fracture fractures are rarely seen in cases of hanging. Rather, they're seen in strangulation. And she did not have severe an injury to her neck and spine, as you would have expected with a fall like that. I mean, coming off the balcony. And right. then, uh, so they would have expected the cervical vertebrae to have been dislocated from the base of the skull. And in fact, this distance, so it was about nine feet, would be considered a quote-unquote long hanging, which was actually originally how people were executed because it killed them quickly. So just some fun fact there, grim Hmm. fact. That was nice of them. So the defense says, well, if Rebecca had been strangled before the hanging, then they... Oh, yeah. Wait. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no. Okay. So I'm thinking okay. like witch trials and hanging. Did oh. somebody read the freaking witchcraft book and see like how 
like long it had to be to su- like successfully hang oh. somebody. Oh, the witchy witchy. See, there's that. Colby pulling out there's those my brain again. <laughs> I think I don't think it was about killing people though. I think the book was just about like bindings and witchcraft or maybe they were channeling the Salem witch. Yeah, trials, yeah, though. or like maybe. had the, like yeah, how to contact yeah. them or maybe. Anyway, interesting. Okay, back we'll to our regularly that. scheduled programming. <laughs> we will add that to the theories. So, from the defense, if Rebecca had been strangled before the hanging, they would have expected to see a pattern of bruises on her neck left by the killer's fingers. And if she had been hit on the head four times, they would have expected to see more blood and damage mm. to the scalp. But instead, he said the lesions could have been formed just from the autopsy, as the pathologist peeled it back with the scal- scalpel. Especially after a hanging, the blood vessels are congested. So I guess that. Hmm. The autopsy technician would not note. Th- they note their own marks, but they would note them as their own marks. But it's it was the subgaleal, which I think is under. I don't know what galil means, but <laughs> under under the head, under the scalp, probably. It's, I believe it's under the galil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, subgaleal. Um, why? Who allowed us to do this podcast? <laughs> So, he did. <laughs> um, we're like, well, according to us experts, we think. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so. Guys, but, use Google. <laughs> but the subglial hemorrhages. So it wasn't like scrape marks or anything. That was the hemorrhaging, the bleeding. You're going to Google it. Yeah. Okay, okay, so it was more of yeah. like a. You need to consult the Google. So lesion. they found four. Yes, lesions. So they found four areas of blood versus like, it's not like a scrape or something like that. So I could see that wonder if you would you die instantly with this method of hanging like as soon as the rope caught you that like is the idea it her, no yes. her bone should have snapped it instead, should have, and, and that's of why strangling to death like, exactly so that's why the the um that's why greer said it you would have seen way worse injury does she not weigh enough oh, oh maybe oh, i'm getting frustrated okay. okay sorry wait can sorry. i just say too i just watched pirates of the caribbean and she said like the they were gonna hang the witch and she said you know sometimes you don't even die when you fall you just oh, well there you go you just dangle. suffocate dangle and suffocate. Yeah, mm-hmm. suffocate yeah um now the so the subglial i you know i used to not be able to say that phrase but i feel like no, I, I said that enough by the way i googled it it's an accumulation of blood that forms between oh. the skull and the skin of the scalp thank you basically a doctor and a lawyer so would my scalp be my galil <laughs> you, got, you got a lot of interesting things happening up in there <laughs> in my galil in your galil <laughs> Ooh, and it says the scalp is boggy feels like a water balloon oh Ew. what we're all, <laughs> now everybody's, everybody's all touching, touching our, our heads. heads okay anyway they said that uh, so that is one theory that it could okay. have come from the autopsy but they also said it could have come from her hitting her head against the objects in the courtyard as she swung down from the balcony so either way it could have been caused by those but if but if she wasn't dead there should have been blood like more blood if she hit objects no not if it if it didn't rupture her scalp i don't think so but she couldn't have been dead because her blood pooling was horizontal well, she, couldn't she, have been dead she had to be snap. dead. She had to be dead because her she blood was pooling dead before was she went over the banister. Right. Mm. That's what I think. I think she was dead before she went over the banister. Or not dead until she came down. But that wouldn't explain the blood it, pooling until she stopped if falling, she, or, the, or until he cut her down. Until he cut her down. I don't know. But well, that he unsuccessfully hanged her and then well, cut or, her down because yeah. she was making noise even though she was bound or oh and, oh, and then, or it was well so i this is a new theory that i have this was not my original theory or she did actually either try to commit suicide or whatever adam really did come out and see her 
maybe she wasn't fully dead Mm -hmm. and like but like passed out and when he put her down that's maybe when she died or something i don't know maybe because i don't think it was actually they they had a hard time pinning down the exact time of death but it was around we'll call it 4 a.m which I don't think is the, I think you're much more specific generally um, right. in this field, but <laughs> we'll call it 4, 4 a.m. And he found her at like 6.40. Right. So, that, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Could you hang there for, I don't think so. I don't know. That's a long time. The blood would pool. Not I'm if you're alive. If she's oh, alive. Oh. If, if, the, if her neck was so slender yeah. that like the rope wasn't yeah. tight enough and maybe yeah. didn't actually gag yeah. her maybe she Ooh, could have been hanging she, okay. yeah. she could have been hanging unconscious but right. alive that's what i mean yeah and then he cut her down and he was very frazzled i don't know and then maybe as I she laid know. there hanging, she died hanging by your body weight with I a know. rope against your yeah. windpipe i don't think so i don't know man i don't know um okay so they so she also had scratches on her forehead back and around the um like around her ear and they just attributed that to the vegeta- vegetation under the balcony and given that there was quote unquote broken plant material on the <laughs> ground near rebecca's body that the the evidence the abrasions the contusions throughout the body indicated that rebecca went face first over the railing impacted and slid down the wall breaking the foliage as well as leaving marks on the wall before the full length of the rope was reached that is what the defense says okay but branches fall from trees and so do sticks and leaves so is that plant material on the ground i I don't know i don't know if they matched the you know the (laughs) the broken stems yeah Mm -hmm. i'm just wondering what the you may be getting to this but what the theory was as to what happened for her to come down if they're saying the table he stood he said he stood on wouldn't support his weight now that's just one person that said that and he was like an external person to this so i don't know they didn't bring that back up in court at least not that i saw so i don't know that it became i mean the table didn't was still standing yeah you know so i don't know they were like oh is that the ikea 479 yeah, b picnic table yeah. that only supports up to 120 pounds yes. I, I, yeah i think they hold more than they technically support though because i'm pretty <laughs> sure yeah. i've sat on some things that like questionably maybe i should not be sitting on <laughs> and they didn't break yeah so, i think it's wow, just so that they can avoid the warranty because i just bought my daughter a bounce house and i can assure you that the I exceed the individual weight limit for a child, <laughs> and it has yet to collapse under me. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so it, they didn't bring it back up, but yeah, I don't. I don't feel that that was the strongest argument. I think yeah. it was just one of many when they were trying to get the case reopened. Caught my attention, though. Yeah, I agree. So the last category I'll talk about is Rebecca's state of mind. So if you everything's fine and nothing is wrong, you probably aren't going to kill yourself. Right. So they were talking about this. Um, now Greer said. The, the most jarring thing for them was that naked suicide is extremely uncommon in women. So suicide yep. certainly is present, but it's almost never naked. And on top of that, Rebecca would never have embarrassed her family like that. It's just not her MO. Yeah, and the vulnerability mm-hmm. to do yeah. that is... Yep. And they also said, you know, her conversations and actions preceding her death were just not indicative of someone about to commit suicide. Remember, she was texting and calling her sisters, nothing concerning. I'll talk to you tomorrow. These are the plans, you know, both long term plans as well as just kind of innocuous mundane stuff during the week, um, aside from, you know, having to deal with Max's accident. But nothing, nothing was indicative, according to, to Greer. 
So as far as her state of mind goes, we are confident she would have listened to the voicemail and known that Max's condition had deteriorated like gravely. I I mean, my personal opinion is yes. I think if the voicemail was listened to and deleted, then probably it seems like that's what she did. She had, you know, the past couple nights, um, both Monday and Tuesday, or I guess Monday night, she had talked to, to Jonah late, listened to his messages, and but she responded. So that's, you know, she didn't respond the night she died. So I don't know. Um, but again, I mean, it. although grave, it wasn't him saying Max is dead or anything, you know, I don't know. And so I'm not sure. Now, mm-hmm. the defense says basically the opposite, as you would expect from, the, <laughs> yeah, from um, Greer. Naturally, naturally. Really? There's yeah. there's a difference of opinion? Yeah, yeah, only this one. No. Okay. <laughs> so they say Rebecca's reports of being shoved, screamed at, and grabbed around the throat by Neil. So remember Neil, her ex-husband, um, she kept repeating, right. uh, reporting that he was abusive. Those were clear factors of, of some concern. And then she and her sisters had confirmed that they had been sexually abused when they were young. Uh, so they, it, it was a very strange story. They said they used to go to the school that they went to when they were young. They would go to the dean's house for sleepovers, which to me was an immediate red flag. But like, apparently that mm. was what. The, so I, I didn't I like, like that. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, and that unfortunately, can't be okay. No, no it was not. It was not okay. No. But sexual abuse, of course, can be devastating, producing a sense of shame, low self-esteem and self-worth, distrust in others and difficulty in relationships, all of which would elevate suicide risks. Acting out via extramarital affairs was Rebecca's indirect way of coping with her issues, which was evidenced by her story to Michael Berger, the Berg, remember? Berg. Mm -hmm. Uh, That she'd supposedly been kidnapped. Remember that whole crazy story? Mm -hmm. Then the social isolation she described. So she had also uh, these like, she almost journaled on the notes on her phone. Again, this is 2011. So we're not, she was probably doing it in T9, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But she journaled and she had a lot, like she was saying she was so alone and had concerns about the future with Jonah, Mm -hmm. which we knew she had said that to her, I think her sisters. But uh, she had said she had no confidence or support system outside her very religious family, which is also a risk factor. She had trouble sleeping. She had a racing mind, her crying and not knowing why. And I guess she had had some weight loss. But I think Jonah had said, like, you know, I don't know. She's eating healthy right. and working she out. So, out. Um, but those were all symptoms of depression and anxiety. And after quitting her job, she became financially dependent on Jonah. So... Um, and then when Max fell and she was the only adult present, she experienced a quote, moral injury and a feeling that she'd failed to fulfill her responsibility. And then that put potentially threatened her relationship with Jonah. So she's got this dependency on him. Now she's got this threat. Right. So again, this is all the defense saying this. And when Jonah told her that she couldn't come to the hospital and be part of the family, she felt rejected by the man she loved. And at this point, she's just at a very high and acute risk of suicide. And then she gets the call from Jonah that Max's condition has deteriorated. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm not buying that theory. No, I'm not either. What I would buy more so, and this just popped into my head, is she did. It wasn't a suicide attempt. It was a staged attempt to have somebody rescue her. Oh, and now she, like mm. Max isn't there anymore. But Jonah can't leave her because who in their mind would leave oh. their like recently attacked girlfriend who like. And because um, I was just trying to think That's of the message good. and why somebody would write the message, and if wow. you were trying to stage it, like 
she saved him. Can you save her, like Mr. Jonah or Adam? Okay. Or she would go to the hospital I and she would get happened. Jonah's attention. Okay. Close. I got goosebumps because I think that that is the theory that makes the most sense to me because, again, we'll we'll talk through all of it, but when you balance each of the pieces of evidence, you're like, well, I can kind of see that, but it doesn't, it never quite Do you know what it was that just made it click for me? It was when you reminded us of Rebecca's past relationship Mm. history because you were saying she staged the kidnapping or talked about this kidnapping. The police called her and she was like, I'm totally fine. If she really was in danger or afraid of Neil or something, I'm sure if the police were continuously asking her, like, people call 911 and order a pizza today they Mm -hmm. tell their grubhub order person that they've been kidnapped like you would have found a creative way to do Mm -hmm. it with them calling and she was picking up the phone or calling so much so i feel like there's i feel bad saying this of somebody but like there's an attention seeking Mm -hmm. pattern there oh definitely and like she's obviously manipulative i don't know if neil would have actually have been abusive but like she told tales that weren't substantiated Mm -hmm. about him she lied when she was in other places. This isn't the kind of girl who's going to take her life because her yeah. her husband or her boyfriend no. rejects her. She's just going to go find another guy because yeah. she can. She's beautiful. Yep. And yep. she obviously is like alluring in some way because she keeps like yeah. getting all of these people to be drawn to her, for lack of a better term. So yep. I don't think she meant to kill herself, but I think she did it. Brilliant. So I case closed, guys. If you've yeah. been loving us, uh, <laughs> listen and no, subscribe. No, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> uh, so I think that Adam maybe wishes that you were on the jury <laughs> to give this evidence because the jury Ooh, only hate. deliberated for four and a half hours. Now, a quick verdict in civil cases generally signals that the jury has sided with the defendant. Mm. While a quick verdict in criminal typically means that the guilty. jury has found the defendant guilty, but the jury found Adam guilty on the wrongful death allegation with a vote of nine to three on their both counts. There was battery and uh, wrongful death. And the jury also awarded the Zahaus 5.17 million for the loss of Rebecca's love, emotional companionship and financial assistance. Did Adam have money or was he just going to borrow it from Jonah? Basically not really. And in fact, when they came back the next day to see if there'd be punitive damages, Greer basically declined asking for anything because they wouldn't, they just wouldn't have gotten anything more. It was already way more than they were going to get from Adam. Mm. So Adam, of course, probably wanted to appeal, but um, judge the judge on this issued a tentative ruling denying the two motions that Adam's lawyer had filled the filed sorry the first requested a new trial to overturn the verdict and the second asked to overturn the judgment based on the verdict fair enough but before they could announce that adam's insurance company agreed to settle the case for six hundred thousand against adam's wishes he like didn't want to do it he wanted to appeal and they were like nope 600k done wow so um but that meant the verdict still stood it was just the five million dollar judgment against him that had been thrown out so Adam was found responsible for the wrongful death, but never charged with murder, which kind of broke my brain because I I think I always hear, especially when we're looking for cases, these are murder cases. Mm -hmm. And evidently, I've now learned these are in civil uh, criminal court. Why would someone be only charged or like in a civil case with for wrongful a wrongful death versus going to court for murder? I'm looking at Marina. Yeah. Well, you previously said you brought up the point that there's two different burdens of proof. Mm -hmm. So in the civil case, it was by a preponderance of the evidence. So more likely than not. So you're talking like 51%. We have been going back and forth about this Mm, evidence 
you have good arguments both ways. Yep. So there's a possibility that they didn't even tip the scales over a preponderance of the mm. evidence. Only the state can bring criminal charges and they have to prove all the elements of that beyond a reasonable doubt. So could you yep. look at any of these no. pieces of, of evidence and say, beyond a reasonable doubt, Adam like, is responsible no. for There's nothing. For There's nothing that even puts him in the yeah. room. Yeah. Right. So if you, if you stack a, a good case with all this circumstantial evidence and you make great arguments, it can push it over that 51% yep. line, yep. but you're not going to get over the beyond a reasonable doubt line that actually makes for a criminal charge fascinating i also didn't know that you could i i didn't know who could bring things to a criminal court i didn't i just assumed i guess anyone could but no that the state has to be the one to bring the charges but that's what happened in the oj case yep yep. so he was found not guilty by a a criminal jury Mm. but then her family won the civil Mm -hmm. lawsuit against him because it's a different burden of proof and that's not double jeopardy to no, have it. I don't think so. No, double jeopardy is criminal charges. Oh, gosh, I'm learning so much. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is if had this event not occurred and Rebecca lived to see another day, could Dina have possibly filed a wrongful death suit against her for oh. her son, Max? Nobody would have put criminal charges forth to say that Rebecca was responsible for Max's death. But being attacked by a mom. <laughs> uh, um, but is, is it is it possible that like they would have sued her for wrongful death of Max or maybe, maybe not? Yeah. Well, I mean, she could have because yeah. again, it's not that it's not that she murdered Max. It's that she's responsible yeah. in some way for his death. Fascinating. Okay, thank you. Because I was one, when I got to that, I was like, wait, why wouldn't? I mean, again, I agreed the evidence wasn't super strong. There were a lot of questions, but I didn't know. So thank you. You're welcome. So I'll just close um, kind of not, we'll spend some time talking about theories, but just to kind of like, you know, close what happened with the mansion and Jonah and all that. So Jonah had returned to the mansion, but understandably could not live there. He put it up yeah. for sale in 2013. And again, remember these investigations take a while. The course, the um, court proceedings take a while. Mm-hmm. The home was purchased uh, for $9 million. Um, by an LLC, the principal of which was an entrepreneur from Utah who ran a private aircraft company and was also founded founded the carpet cleaning company ChemDry, in case you're wondering. In 2019, the mansion was on and off the market with an asking price of like 16.9 to 17.5 million all around there. But when COVID hit, the house finally sold for 11 million and it was actually listed as a monthly rental until the new owner began making um, interior and exterior modifications. So you could probably stay there. I don't know. It's probably, the sprin- probably someone the Sprinkles there. Mansion. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The Sprinkles, Sprinkles Airbnb. Yeah. Um, Jonah remarried in 2014 and they have two children together and live in Southern California. So he did move on with his oh, life. Had a new life. So did he have daughters? <laughs> it doesn't mm. oh, it doesn't say it doesn't say i don't, I, I don't, I don't find him responsible no. or in any way shape or form i think jonah in a lot of ways is a big victim here because I he agree. lost his son and his partner yep yes definitely and like whether there was any nefarious or foul play that happened yep. for either of them or if both were just like really unfortunate accidents like he he definitely got the raw end of the deal he did and so i was writing through some of the theories and i actually don't even think i put him yeah. responsible as a theory because it just doesn't add up first of all he wasn't there um but it you know it just doesn't add up i he certainly wasn't responsible he wasn't even home for max's right. accident and then he was at the hospital at his son's bedside for rebecca's so 
Um, so one of the theories, of course, is what the police said, that Max's death was a total accident and Rebecca killed herself. I don't know. Um, I mean, it could be a variation of that. I don't know that it happened the way that they said it, but that's a possibility. Um, a variation of that is that Rebecca Rebecca had guilt over Max's death. Um, she could have somehow been involved in Max's death. Not, I wrote, you know, that there, I think Colby, you said it, there's no real motive right. for her, but... Um, but Jonah actually at one point in just his questioning, cause he was theorized, I mean, you can imagine he's sitting going, how, how did all this happen? Right. He theorized maybe ocean, the dog had something to do with it. Cause ocean was like barking and, in, you know, around and all this. And then maybe Rebecca felt guilt from it, but it doesn't, there's no real, doesn't make sense mm. with the evidence. I still say Rebecca or Zena had something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, we don't have much evidence on that. I mean, we know that she allegedly was on the third floor at the time and came down when Rebecca called to her. But, um, I don't, I don't know. I think the motive you mentioned earlier was that maybe she had jealousy, but she hadn't lived. Rebecca hadn't been home with her for a long time. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that she would have felt as jealous. What if we combine the theories though? So it yeah. was Zena who did it because she was jealous <laughs> oh. of her sister's okay. new life. Yep. Mm -hmm. Rebecca felt severe guilt. And now Jonah was giving all the attention to Max in the Maybe. hospital combined with Colby's theory that she yeah. needed to be manipulative and she wanted yep. attention as well. So she attempted to yeah. draw attention to herself yeah. and then didn't work out for her. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I—I mm. I think that's—I—I'm not pegging Zena for this. I just—I don't know. It just, she had only flown in the night before. I don't know. It just doesn't. I, I just doesn't sound like it was an accident. So I'm yeah. just who yeah. was in the house? It was it Rebecca, was Zena. Yeah, that's it. And Max. And Max so yeah. yeah. So and the dog. And the dog. I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think of if it was not an accident, then it was one of them. And what would be? Yeah, motives. I feel it's funny coming into this episode. I felt more clarity on like I kind of knew. I felt like I knew Max's was an accident, and then I was a little more questioning Rebecca's. And now I actually feel the opposite. I kind of I'm really so my theory in general is I do think Rebecca did was responsible for killing herself, but it makes way more sense that it was. And again, I I also don't like to say about attention seeking right. versus an, a full attempt because that explains why things don't fit quite right yeah. um but i think the evidence to me is really strong that there wasn't someone else there during rebecca's so i feel strongly that way but i kind of i couldn't figure out who would do it to max and that's why i think i had a heart right. you know i don't know kids do weird things like maybe he did slip through the balcony like through the, through balcony, the banister banisters, and i mean the, I don't know how he was with the dog. Like maybe Ocean scared him, and he yeah. like I I don't even know jumped back. On, yeah, tripped over his scooter. Right. I, yeah, the evidence is still weird for Rebecca though, right? Because I mean I'm relying on the investigative right. skills of reporters, but even if she was mm -hmm. doing it for attention, if her body weight is hanging off of this bed, they said it would have moved five times more than it did. Yeah, but now I'm stuck on what Colby asked, which is like, what was, what the material did right. they have? Because yeah, plush oh, carpet yeah. is a whole lot different than a hardwood floor or something. Yeah. You'd think there would be an effort to at least yeah. recreate yeah. If they went and rugs. got the right mattress and bed, then yes, they probably got the right floor. Yeah, rugs. Maybe so, they don't have the exact pile, yep. but, you know, <laughs> they're like, yeah. was it a shaggy rug? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that one's that one confuses me, and that's what frustrates me about, and I'm sure everyone about this case is it's it's there is nothing clear one right. way or another. Every time you're like, oh, I think I figured it out, then there's like one little thing that doesn't make sense, and they have to be related in some mm-hmm. way, right? Because the evidence is weird for both yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you could unlock one of them, you mm-hmm. might be able to get a clearer picture of what yeah. happened in the other. Yeah, I I don't because again all the these are actually more interesting theories than I either I had come up with or the book or things that I had read. So the only other one, the only well two kind of similar um, that I that I found were that someone wanted to punish Rebecca. Maybe somebody was mad that she was involved, and that's where like kind of the Dina thing comes mm-hmm. in. But she was at the hospital, and I just I don't think I don't think this would have been the case um, the time. Or somebody wanted to punish Jonah. So that was the thought of like the people from the company coming right. back. To, but that I, this feels like if anyone was involved making it a homicide in either case, it feels very personal and intimate. It does not feel like it's just somebody who was, you know, upset at work. So I don't I don't think it's that. Um, and I feel like there would be some piece of evidence. Uh, an unidentified like a you know, DNA near the door. profile yep. yes or a piece of dna or displaced blood or exactly something. and there was nothing to that it was all like either it was missing dna and that was right. the question or it was someone who was yeah. there so is yep. that i thought it, i for a while thought it was adam because i just he seemed suspicious like i popped an ambient mm-hmm. at nine and then the next thing i knew i came out and yep. there was a body that yep. ambient defense the ambient defense it does not work for me no <laughs> um but what it does is it buys you a substantial amount of time where people are like well you're zonked out okay yeah so i wanted yeah. to be like what did you do adam but now now i don't think adam did no, anything because why, why would he have what would have adam's motive have been no it, that's the thing because he seemed like i don't think he was uninvolved in jonah's life but i don't think he was like i think he was very independent yeah. i mean he didn't even live with mary right you know right. he didn't live with his girl, so, long-time girlfriend I, what i what i actually feel with adam is like what bad timing this poor <laughs> literally this poor guy comes in to support you know uh, begrudgingly comes right. in to support his brother and his nephew's um injuries or like accident and then now walks away with being convicted of wrongful death and is involved with all this stuff and is getting so part of the other thing is the author of the book i read had she had talked directly with a lot of yep. the people involved in this and she had talked with adam but then afterwards like got a bunch of like angry emails from him like really angry and i think that was probably displaced and and definitely not called for but i also just think like if i put myself in adam's shoes it, you just came into something you didn't even want to in a terrible, like upsetting yep. situation. And then you walk away with all this and you're harassed for probably the majority of the rest of your life about this. And people think that you had something to you do with it. a murder like that. That ruins your life. I would be pretty mad, too, just because you were there and you happened to stay at the guest house and happened to get up in the morning. Wrong place, wrong yeah. time is what I don't know. It so. is. But so <laughs> I, I made the comment last week. If any of us came upon this scene and saw her, would our instinct be to cut her down or or would we say, okay, she looks dead. This is a crime scene. So you have that. The pooling of the blood doesn't make sense. So she was either alive when she was hanging and she died later and that wouldn't match his right he didn't say anything about her being alive or breathing or anything i still think that one's a little suspicious because if say she died say the time of death was a little bit wrong which again they don't have a specific time say it was i I really don't know how long you can hang from your neck but she was tiny so i don't know 
Um, but say that she was somehow able to survive long enough, maybe unconscious. He takes her down. So I don't even say this is blaming Adam, but say he takes her down, puts her down. He's trying to find a nut. Like he had gotten the knife. He got the table. He's trying to talk to 911. He's running out to the front of the house to find the address, like figure out what number. Maybe that's what did it. Like, you know, she was, maybe she was just like hanging. Oh, I was going to say hanging on. Sorry. Mm. Um, but just alive enough. And then that's what did it. And then while she was laying there and letting all this happen, that's what, you know, caused the, uh, the lividity in that way. I don't know. I think it's possible. Mm. I know. I'm mad. I know. I know. Um, I think the other weird things to me, the message, and I think Colby, you said this earlier. I, I, I think it. The message to me says it's not just a, a quote unquote regular suicide. It's either staged to look like that or right. attention seeking, or it's a homicide because it makes no sense. If she's feeling guilty, then she wouldn't have saved him, so she wouldn't have written she saved him. Right. And if she thought he would live, why would she kill herself? Like, you know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I guess maybe because he might never walk or talk again, and that's extremely upsetting, but I, that didn't make any sense to me either. I'm um, subscribing to Colby's theory because it fits, it fits Thanks, that guys. Like, sociopathic <laughs> ideology yeah. that we were getting. When you were describing her and her, mm-hmm. you know, the, the prior episode where you were talking about her making claims that she was kidnapped or her manipulating Neil or Mike Mm -hmm. or, you know, Jonah, you just got like a sort of vibe about her. Mm -hmm. So Colby's, Colby's concept about shifting the attention Mm -hmm. and the message does not make sense. So I think, I think the way that you interpret it, Colby, that message then makes sense. Right. So, yeah. What I'm doing now is I'm trying to Google, can you survive yeah. a hanging attempt? And I just found an article about saying how it's a very common method of suicide attempt in India. And I act, think the article is going to tell me that, but it doesn't always Kill you. work. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised given, again, she is very light and, you know, the rope yeah. is pretty thick, reasonably thick. So I don't know if that matters. And I don't know how tight the... Like they didn't, at least not that I read, they didn't say anything about how tight the rope was around her neck when they found it. Mm. I would think it would need to be pretty close, pretty tight. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning more and more again, if it's physically possible yeah, to like survive an hour, yeah. it really could be as little as an hour. One, well, what if I said, maybe Adam didn't have anything to do with it, but it again, what if he really was in the wrong place at yeah. the wrong time, cut her down and she was like kind of moving a little bit. I think you can seriously hurt somebody if you don't know how to do CPR and you yeah. do it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she had like any cracked ribs or any bruising yeah, or anything in her sternum. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking like, what if, what if like he just didn't act fast enough and then yes. kind of like maybe she did die on the ground because right. he cut her down, but like maybe he didn't call nine one one fast enough because he didn't know how it was going to look or like he yeah. just panicked because you don't know how you'll react like and he i would also say i don't know how long ambien lasts but my theory because he he had a really like he was remember he was wrong on a lot of his facts in the Mm -hmm. it was a very weird 911 call i i would attribute that to waking up after a night of ambien like that you're you're half awake you just kind of like barely you know you're in a weird situation in the first place you kind of stumble out you're like all right i just gotta get some breakfast and like that's what you come across yeah i would probably have a weird 911 call too so I don't know. I'm leaning more and more towards that theory. Just again, we, you have the evidence that I've given you, which is a stripped down version of what the book gave us, which is a stripped down version of what was 
found and right. presented a case. So obviously this is all with a disclaimer of we're just, you know, hypothesizing, but right. um, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Because the note on the door makes her a martyr. It she does. Didn't, she didn't save she him. She did not. Right. And based on the evidence you told us today, she didn't try to. I don't think so. There was a delay. Right. In there trying. was a delay. And that's to my, save him. actually, that's my other theory of why she felt guilty. Like, I, maybe it was some accident, but like CPR, I like I was a lifeguard and specifically learned CPR. And if one of you dropped down and I had to do CPR right now, I would freak out. And I think it would be very hard to remember exactly how to do it in the right way. So I think we see all these movies and TV shows and yep. everyone's like, oh, just, you know, lace your fingers. And, yeah. And I think it's actually, if it really happened in front of you, and especially if you walk out and she cared so much about Max, you walk out and there's this crazy scene. The dog is barking, the chandelier's down. You see the kid laying down. Like that's an incredibly stressful situation. Yeah. So Maybe maybe she tried and didn't do it successfully. That's, I feel like, extremely possible. As, as a pet owner, maybe she took Ocean out of the room first because there was a bunch of broken glass everywhere from the chandelier maybe. and she was guilt. She felt guilty because she didn't give Max attention first instead of the dog. Exactly. And it's all so fast. I mean, she from the, I don't know, I just think it was, I think trying to put myself in any one of these situations, I I feel like it's very easy to sit here yeah. and and assume what you would do but i think it's I, I don't know i think i didn't even think of that that was actually a really good point laura about like her knowing mm -hmm. him and not knowing to act because my cousin is a firefighter or mm -hmm. was a firefighter in florida and they were on their boat and um his daughter like slipped and fell and hit her head mm -hmm. and stopped breathing <gasps> he responds to emergency situations mm -hmm. all day every day and I believe it was somebody else on the boat that jumped in and gave right. her CPR because he was just like yes, frozen. Right. Like it's his, it's his daughter. Yeah, like exactly. Couldn't like, couldn't do yeah. it. Just so, frozen. I think because of all of this, it's making more and more sense why, mm. we, why they didn't go to criminal court, but it really, I mean, again, we'll never know for sure because unfortunately the, the people who were closest to this and would know the answers are no longer with us. But, um, I think it's, it's, I, I like where we landed. Yeah. I feel I feel like that's probably the most plausible. Yeah. Um, but hit us up, Adam. Tell us, was yeah. she living when you cut her down? We need to know. I know. I we know. don't think you heard her. We don't but think tell so. Us. Yeah. Tell us deets. <laughs> tell us, so tell us about the patio table. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts on the matter. I mean, sure. You have plenty of thoughts. My but. thought on the matter is, can we stop doing unsolved <laughs> cases now? So Colby did hers. You did hers. You well, guys done now? Cause um, you may regret the request to not have a solved one because my next case is going to be the oh, toy you're gonna box. Oh, you're going to do it. I'm going to do the oh, toy box killer. Oh. So this is, this is your super ahead warning that <laughs> do a, do a quick little Google on it. Um, and you will, you can decide if you want to listen to that episode. It'll probably be in like two or three episodes, but um, from now. But yeah, so you may you may want a an unsolved one after that. That that is a rough one. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I'm pretty mad about the toy box yeah, killer too. Will, That's a hard one. I will commit that the next episode I do will be solved, and you will be satisfied okay. by the outcome. But beyond the next episode, I will not commit to it because I really prefer the unsolved cases. Well, whatever so you do, my I'll next do. episode is we'll also. <laughs> No, it's out of state. Whoa. All the way in New York. Okay. <laughs> it is solved. 
but it will make you mad. Okay. It'll, okay. it'll make you mad. I like it. But I, I also kind of like those because like this discussion was awesome. Yes. Right. Um, and I would love to hear what everyone thinks. Cause I know, you know, again, we all, at least in this room, subscribe to, to Colby's thought, but I am <laughs> really, everybody listening is going to be like, that's dumb. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, so I would love to hear what are your theories? What are your questions? What do you think happened? Um, and you can tell us that on our Instagram. So that's at grim crime podcast on Instagram. Um, you can also follow us there for case photos for this case, of course, but also future cases and more information on future episodes. And remember we did that giveaway. So we'll do more of those in the future. So good reasons Absolutely. to follow us. Um, and if overall you're enjoying listening to us, please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. We are now on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon music. And if you want to send us a case suggestion, so remember this one came from Colby's sister. So if you're really mad, you can just address it to her and we'll we'll pass mm-hmm. it along. Be like, thanks, Shelby. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm blowing your spot up, girl. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, you can also just say hi or anything yep. else you want to send. You can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, listen, learn, and stay alive until next time, gremlins. Gremlins. <laughs>